Well, good morning. As Mike already touched on, we're going to be talking about worry and anxiety today. And so I want to get started by having you turn to those you're seated with or next to you and just talk for a second. What's the number one thing that you worry about in your life? What's the number one thing that you're worrying about on a, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis? And why for you is that something that you're worried about? All right? So I'll give you guys like three to five minutes because, you know, we're going to talk about worry and what Jesus teaches us about it and how to respond to it. But we can be worried. So let's talk about why and what makes us worried. And then we'll see what Jesus has to say. All right. Three, two, one. Go for it. All right. All right. I'm going to pull us back together, but I need some help. I need some help to start. So what, what are we worried about out there this morning? What's, what's on everybody's mind? Feel free to, to shout it out, raise a hand, go for it. What, what are people worried about? Health. Health. Okay, absolutely. Big one. What else? I have one over here. Kids. kids. Not there yet, but maybe soon. I'll be as worried as others in the congregation about kids, health, kids, other things. Significance. Significance. Why do I matter? It's a great question. Anybody else? Say again, solitude. solitude makes you worried, being alone, being without people. Yeah. Say it again. Science test. Golly, absolutely. That would make me worried. I would fail your science test today. I am certain of it. All right. Well, you know what worries me? Vacation. Specifically, vacation when it's unplanned. So I got a funny story about worry to, to get us all in the, the worrying mood. Um, so my wife and I, we like to go to the national parks, or at least I've slowly but surely convinced her that she likes to go to the national parks. Even though I have a tendency to fudge the hiking distances and the elevation changes, which can cause some strain in our marriage, but that's not the point. The point of this story is we went on a trip that was pretty last minute. We cheap flights on a new airline out of the Burbank airport, so I said, let's go, but for the big time planner and itinerary extraordinaire like myself, that was, uh, it wasn't enough for me to feel very secure about the trip and what we were gonna do and where we were gonna go. Then add into that, right before we're about to leave on this weekend, I, um, I get an email from, uh, I'm about to interview for uh, another job. And the, the person I'm interviewing with is, says, hey, I'd like to have kind of a phone introduction with you over the course of this weekend. And so I'm, I add into this murky mixture, just the general, I'm going to call you in the next few days. And this is on my mind, when, where, how. So we get there and we check in the hotel. Everything seems to be going okay. And then the check-in person says, you better get up early to get into Arches National Park tomorrow. Otherwise, you're not getting in. So all of a sudden, the worry meter is already somewhat high with CJ and it's just ratcheting up, you know? Then we get to the park and there is little to no reception. Is this guy calling me? Is he not? Have I missed it? Is this jeopardizing anything? Safely through the first day, we get to the second day, we get to the Canyonlands National Park and Bethany and I decide one of the coolest things to do would be to drive our car down an unpaved road into the canyon with steep drop-offs, hundreds of feet to the side. So I'm just uh, willingly increasing my worry meter 
you know, by the moment. We get to the bottom and there are huge rock obstacles and we got a low clearance rental SUV and the cheap Dutchman that I am did not purchase the rental insurance. So every creak and movement of the SUV, I get more and more worried. Then on our final day, there is, there is absolutely no reception in Western Colorado where we're at. And so, and this, and he hasn't called me for a few days and I'm still worried, is he gonna call me, is he not? By this point in time, everybody, my digestive tract and the nerves have just given up. There is no amount of Pepto-Bismol that can help me anymore. And so we're at the last lookout of the day and I do the sick man's shuffle, you might say, although Bethany said it was the sick man's sprint to the nearest porta potty because my body has given up. I have, the worry meter has gone way past its limit and for me, the nerves have taken their toll. A few days later, I'm calling Teladoc because I'm still not feeling so great and they're like, the reason the reason is you got so worried that you have no digestive enzymes left in your stomach. So please eat broth and drink kombucha for the next week to help yourself out. So all that to say that when Jesus says you don't add a single hour of your life by worrying, I, I believe him because I think I actually may have taken a few years off my life that weekend when I was supposed to be on vacation. Worry, worry, worry. But today, it's not about Jesus saving our digestive tracts, if that's what worry does to you like it does to me. It's about saving, really, our identity and our identity as his disciples and his children. So if there's one big thing, one big thought I want you to leave with today, it's this. That we are beloved children of God and we can trust in his faithfulness to us. So if there's one big thing I want you to leave with today, it's that we are beloved children of God, and we can trust his faithfulness to us. Our scripture today comes from uh, Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. It reads like this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear for the pagans? Run after all these things, and your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So the passage begins, and Jesus begins his teaching by saying, therefore, and that's where we got to stop today. Because I don't know if you know the rule, but in the Bible, when there's a therefore, you have to ask your question, what's the therefore? Therefore. And the therefore here is to connect what Jesus is about to say about do not worry to what Jesus has just previously taught. And that section begins, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And that passage ends by saying, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, 
or you'll be devoted to the one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. So when Jesus talks about worry, right off the bat, what he's really addressing in this passage is our worry about money, our worry about finances, our worry about uh, whether we'll be provided for. Jesus is addressing that directly head on at the start. So there's lots of things that we worry about in our lives, but I know for me, one of the number one things that I can oftentimes worry about is money. It is finances. And Jesus, he's going to uh, directly go at this and ask us the question and continue, why are you worried about this? What is your relationship? What is your perspective on money? And I want to push a little bit on this this morning, and here's why. Because this is a passage that, it's a comforting passage to many of us. Jesus says, do not worry. But when Jesus starts the passage, he's connecting it to a section on money, and he leads off, and the do not worry, the verb there, merimanao in the Greek, is in the present active imperative, which means it's a command. This isn't like, oh, do not worry. This is Jesus saying, therefore I tell you, do not worry. Jesus is really challenging his listeners. He's challenging his disciples and he's saying, I'm commanding you not to worry because worry at its core is a sign that you're worried about who is providing for you and, and in many ways where you're seeing money as your provider rather than God. And I wanna press into this this morning, but I wanna do so with a caveat and that's this, that I know that for many of us in the congregation uh, there can be times where we have to think about money because we have to know how am I going to cover the rent this month? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to put food on the table? And I don't want to gloss over this section without recognizing that that's a real reality for some of us. And an appropriate level of concern and wanting to think about that is there. But I think for many of us and for myself, I would say that a lot of times my worry about money isn't so much about that, it's an obsession with money. And at its core, I might even say it's a worship of money. Because for me, I know that, that I get really, can easily become obsessed with checking the bank account. How much has it grown this, has it grown this month? What do we, have we spent less? Is it, is it ticking up? And, and many times at the end of that, I can think about, look, look how much I've gained. Look at how much... I've done. And Jesus, in this section, he's talking about do not worry, but Jesus has a, the same exact teaching in Luke 12, which is the gospel of Luke's version, you might say, of the Sermon on the Mount, and directly preceding his teaching on not worrying in that section of the Sermon on the Mount is a story that Jesus tells. And it's a story about a man who has a great harvest. I mean, he's just bushel crop. He's just taking it and he's taking in more than he knows what to do with. And so he has an idea in his mind. He says, you know what? I'm gonna build bigger barns because then I'll have enough room to store all of my stuff. And at the end of having all this stuff and all of it stored up, you know what? I'll be able to take life easy. I'll be able to eat and to drink and to be merry. And right on the heels of that, Jesus says, number one, you don't know how long your life might be, but number two, do not worry. 
And I think that Jesus' message for his listeners is as real and relevant for us today as it was then. Because the prevailing narrative of our culture is get more. Get more. Gain more. Get more because the more that you have, the more happy you'll be. And at some point in time, if you have enough, you won't have to worry. You won't have to, if you just make enough, you'll never, you won't have to worry about money anymore. And have you ever heard the phrase, more money, more problems? I, I think that, uh, you know, the more money I've made, the more I worry. I don't know if that's the way it is for you, but I think that it can be very true that, that our culture wants to tell us if you just get enough, you'll stop worrying. But what I find is that the more I make, the more obsessed I can often become with money and the more worried I can be. And I wanna challenge us and say, if, if that ever happens to you, where you start to worry about money and where you start to think about it more and more and, and it starts to creep in like that, I encourage you to give it away. I encourage you to give, give your money away. Because I know that for me, if we've received from God, whether it's in our paycheck or whatever else, and if I haven't chosen to give on that, that oftentimes that's when the worry and anxiety build within me. I start to go to my phone apps and check the bank account more often, and I worry about each purchase a little bit more. And then there's something freeing when you just choose to give it away. And I have to say that, that this section, this teaching really, is something that I've learned deeply from my wife, from Bethany. Because what Bethany has always said is, if, if we can't give our money away, then who's really in control? What really is in control of your heart? Who's in charge of who? Because if, if we can't make the choice to say, I've received from God and now I'm gonna give what, what, whatever and however that looks for you, and then who's really in control? And I think that's one of the things that Jesus is poking and prodding and, and stirring up in his teaching today when he says and he commands, do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry is, is who's in charge? Is it money? Will money provide for you? And will money give you enough that you'll never have to worry? Or will God be your provider? And will you not worry because you can trust in him? Jesus is gonna continue in this passage and what I love is that slowly but surely Jesus for me takes away every single one of my other options that I have besides trusting him ultimately to be my provider. That slowly but surely Jesus, he challenges every other, I guess, strategy to not be worried and puts us fully at the feet of God. And it starts with his teaching on the birds. See, Jesus continues and he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And you might ask yourself, why would Jesus use birds as an example here? Well, one of the reasons probably is that birds are excellent workers. Birds are always on the move. I mean, I don't know if you ever watch birds, but they're never stopping, it seems. You know, they're, they're always flittering to and fro and collecting and then eating. And, and they are one of nature's kind of tireless workers and movers. But at the end of the day, they are dependent on nature 
for their food. They're dependent on a higher power. No matter how hard birds work, at the end of the day, they're dependent on somebody or something else. And so Jesus, he brings up birds to suggest to us as his disciples, you can work really, really hard. You can be a tireless, tireless worker, but at the end of the day, you're still dependent on somebody or something else to provide for you. But Jesus, he always, he, then he brings in comfort along with his challenge. Because he challenges us and he says, if you think hard work, if you think that's what's gonna make you not worry, I don't think it will because it didn't work for the birds, but you are much more valuable than birds. And then Jesus goes on to the next section and he talks about the grass and the flowers. So he says, look at the grass and the look at the flowers and the grass in the field. It's, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Well, two reasons Jesus would bring up grass. Number one, grass we're moving from birds who can actually do something to work, to, to gain their food, to grass and flowers, which are wholly dependent on nature, on the sun, on the water around them to be provided for. So Jesus says, at the end of the day, you're more like grass than you are like birds because you are wholly dependent on somebody else, on God for what you need. And then he challenges us because he says, grass, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. It's thrown into the fire. It's used as cooking fuel is what it was in the Middle East at that time. And Jesus says, in a sense, he's challenging his listeners, your life is short. Your life is short, just like the grass, just like the flowers, your life is short. But you can rely on somebody else. And so as Jesus starts this section, it's more of a command tone. It's more of a direct challenge. But I think what I wanna get to now is the way that Jesus closes this passage. And he closes it with comfort. So then after teaching about do not worry about money, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Look at the birds, look at the grass. Then he closes and says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So Jesus, he closes with a comfort to us and he says, look around. Everybody out there is running the rat race of life. All the, the pagans out there, they're, they're asking themselves the question, what am I gonna eat? What am I gonna drink? What am I gonna wear? And, and Jesus isn't doing this to, to demonize other people, to say, look at how terrible they are. He, he's using them to comfort his disciples and say, you see how much they feel like they have to do in order to be provided for? And he says, but your heavenly father, he knows that you need these things. God is your father. And what Jesus is pushing past is the behavior of not worrying, right? I think a lot of us don't want to worry, but he, we can't will ourselves many times to not worrying. What Jesus wants to do is he wants to push past that to an identity question. And he wants us to ask ourselves, how do you, how do you see yourself? Because all the other people out there, they see themselves as they're the ones in, in charge and control. And at the end of the day, it's all up to me to get my eat, my drink, my wear. But your heavenly father, you are beloved children of God. Your heavenly father knows what you need. Jesus closes with a, a comfort to us. And I think that's what I want to have us lean into and leave with today. It's the thing, the reason that I said the big thing I want us to leave with is the fact that we are God's beloved children and we can trust in his faithfulness to us. 
Because that's what Jesus leaves with his, his listeners. That's what he leaves with his disciples is, your father knows what you need. God knows you, and God loves you, and God sees you, and God is with you. And I think this is oh so important because we live in a world that's plagued with worry and anxiety, right? We have a pandemic of worry in our culture. And I don't think that we have to look very far to find what the culprit is for a big reason why we worry so much. At the touch of our fingers, we have so much that can make us worry. And I think that there's the three C's of worry I, I will call today that, that I think our phones do, but sometimes just our minds do is this. It's that we can seek to control, to compare, and complain. You see, at the touch of our fingertips, we have the illusion, and I use that word very specifically, we have the illusion that we are in control of our lives, and there's so much that we can control from right here, right? I can control I, I, my stocks, and I got, I'm in control of my work. I, I got the email. I'm, even, I'm in control of the weather. If I just check the weather enough, then it will be the weather that I want it to be. I can control my commute. You know, I can use ways and find the, the best way around, and then I can control the image that I put out to the world on social media. And then that leads us to start comparing because then we can start... We control this image, but then we start comparing. Well, look at what they have and look at what they've got and look at, look at, look at what they did. And so our controlling, it leads us to comparing. And then ultimately we say, but look what the world did and look at, look at what's going on out there. Did they really do that? Do those people out there, do they really believe that? Those, those you know, they're so D-U-M-B on the other side of the aisle. Can they, they really think that? And we have all of that power right here. And it just, it just feeds us. It's just a dopamine drip of control, compare, complain, control, compare, complain, control, compare, complain. And it's just feeding us nonstop. It's just feeding us anger and bitterness and worry. And the deep breath is, you know, is to say that, you know, I could stand up here and, and rant and rave about technology all day and the world all day and get all bent out of shape. You know, that's making us worry. But I don't think that that, that does us a lot of good. Instead, I think we have to press past that because technology is not going away. This is not going away. And the worry that it can oftentimes lead us into and the anxiety it can cause within us, it isn't going away. So the question is, how do we as beloved children respond. And I think it's to instead live the three C's of being a Christ disciple, to be crucified, content, and compassionate. See, Jesus, he's with us and he's for us and he loves us. And so he calls us to respond to our temptation to be in control and to compare and to complain and instead to be a crucified, content, and compassionate people. So when we're, when we're on our phones and when we're trying to control and when it's causing us to worry because we have all these things that we have to think about and that it's all at the touch of our fingers and the life's moving so, so fast, we instead can say, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I no longer am in control, but Christ lives in me. 
And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And he gave himself for me. I am, I am actually a crucified disciple. And when we start to compare ourselves to everybody and everything out there, whether we will ever meet them in our lives or not, in fact, most of the time we'll never meet any of them, we instead come back to, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I have everything I need. I can be content. And when the world wants to rile us up to complain about, oh, they're gonna pass that, they're gonna do that, they're gonna vote that way, they're gonna think that, how could they? We say, oh, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. See, I think... The, the answer is to not try to worry less or try to give up control. The, the, the antidote and the answer is to, to give our lives away into the spacious love of God. God is with us and he loves us and he's for us. And, and it's really why I, I asked Mike if we could sing um, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And that's where I, I wanna close just because I think God has been so, so faithful to so many of us. And when we remember that, then, then the worry that life wants to throw at us, we can rest in God's faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto me. So with that being said, I, I'm going to close, and I want to close by inviting you to take an action step, and that is to, this morning, to maybe take communion. If you're, if you're in a space where you're feeling a bit worried or anxious this morning, I want to lead us into communion. I know it's not necessarily a, a communion Sunday here, but I think communion is oh so important. And I think it's important for us today to, to remember that Jesus' disciples were in many ways, normal people just like us. They came off the streets, they came from their fishing boats to, to follow Jesus, and, and they were people like us that were tempted to control and to complain and to compare. You know, just look no further than Peter, who was an absolute control freak, and James and John, who loved to compare themselves to everybody else. Who's gonna sit at your right hand, Jesus? And they love to complain, who's gonna feed all these 5,000 people, Jesus? What do, you, what do you want us to do? And Jesus, he comes to a table with them. And he says that he eagerly desires to eat a meal with these controlling, comparing, complaining disciples. And he says, this is my body and this is my blood. It's your daily bread and it's broken for you. And it's strength for the journey and it's so that you might know that just as I will be crucified for you, that you can be a crucified follower for me. And that just as I've learned to be content in the Father's love, that I know that I am God's son, loved by him, you can be content in God's love. And as I pour out my compassion on all of you, that now you can be people that pour out compassion on, on others. The last thing I'll say is, is this, and it's something that uh, 
that I said in my last sermon, I think Pastor Kevin's been mentioning it too. It's from Romans 8, 38, 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation can separate us from God's love. And therefore we can be at peace and we can rest and we can know we are beloved children who can trust in God's faithfulness to us. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you today. I thank you that even a worry so quickly grabs a hold of my heart. When I think about if I'll have enough, when I look at everybody else around me, when I try to grab onto control, when I wanna complain about all the things that aren't going the way I saw in my kingdom, that Jesus, you still love me that you're still for me, that you're still with me, and that you're so, so faithful to me. So transform me and transform us today, Holy Spirit, that we might be people who know at the core our identity is that we are beloved children, that our Heavenly Father knows, you know what we need, that we can seek first you, and that you'll transform us to be a people that can be at peace and that can rest in your faithful arms. In your name we pray, amen.